All right, God's word for this morning. Passages from Luke 12. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek that which you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here today. I look out across our congregation, and there are many here that I do not know. Isn't that a great statement to be able to make? My name is Bob Stocklin. I have had the great privilege of pastoring here some time ago. And uh, it's a joy to be back today. Uh, Brother Zach has asked me to visit with you a little bit about history uh, of the church and direction of the church and how to transition into that future in a smooth way. So let me start in with that with a word of prayer. Father, today I'm going to deal with a touchy subject to some people, yet it's a joy to others. I pray today that you would bless us with an understanding of your heart, your mind, and your will for us. We commit our time to you, Lord. I pray you would use the simple words I say to help us move in the direction that will bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, the church was built. We were talking this morning with some earlier It's about 15 years ago now that this building was built. It was a couple years before that when the church was started by our church planter named Mark Patton, who now works with an African mission emphasis, uh, working with African pastors. They live in Los Angeles now. Mark left the church right after the building was built. 
In fact, I preached the first sermon in the finished building. It was quite a blessing. I remember that morning because the sun was shining through that window so brightly, I moved over and preached from that extreme corner so folks wouldn't have to look at the bright light. I was deceived to begin with. I thought I was so handsome that they were just squinting, trying to see me. That I learned later that wasn't the case. And we moved on through a period of time that was really rugged in the life of our church. Our attendance had gone down to about 20 And they handed me $2,000 worth of bills the first Sunday I was here that they had no money to pay. And, of course, we had a bank note that was very strong. And yet I want to affirm our church because literally the attitude was strong. And I remember announcing, folks, you need to go home and pray and ask God how much you can bring next week to help pay these bills because... These merchants sold us goods with good faith, and we need to be responsible to pay them. And I want you to know you raised enough money in one week to pay those $2,000 worth of bills. Well, our banker was upset with us and our financial situation, and I said, well, he's just a businessman, and uh, I think we can sweeten him up if we just send $1,000 a month extra with our payment and show him that we're serious about our debt. And lo and behold, that small group of people, in their faithfulness to give, gave enough money to where we paid all of our bills, and we sent $1,000 extra on the uh, principal of our loan. And uh, a few short months later, uh, Doug Nelson went to refinance our church. It was a three-year commercial loan. And literally, the banker refinanced it, which he said he wasn't going to do, And he dropped one point interest because he was impressed with the way the folks were were faithful to their giving in the life of the church. Well, we continued on, would grow a little bit, and we were struggling with music. You are so blessed to have Brother Josh and his team, his wife, and others who play and sing in the life of the church. And, And literally, I don't know of another congregation in the area that has as good a music as you have. Isn't that a praise? Uh, be sure to thank him from time to time and those who serve in the life of the church. I know their eternal reward is with God, but it won't hurt us to give them a pat on the back every once in a while. Amen? Uh, and there are people serving their hearts out uh, to make this church a blessed place. Well, we rocked along for a while, and you'll remember, I stood one day and said, why don't we just pay this building off in five years? And people looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, We owe $265,000 because we also had a sewer hookup we had to pay for at the city's $10,000. And that wasn't to install it, that was just for the privilege to tap into their pipe. And uh, so we owe totally $265,000 on the church, and here we're struggling on a weekly basis. And I just felt led of God that this debt on our church is going to hinder us in the long run. And uh, many of you will realize that debt is not our friend, and especially in church life, because churches go up and they go down, and literally... Uh, when you when you finance when you're up, then when you go down, you have to struggle with that debt. So really, in my opinion, I think I can build a case in Scripture that debt-free is the best position for a church to be in. 
Because then when God calls you to do something, you can put all of your resources behind what God has called you to do, and you're not servicing uh, a debt that hinders you so many times from giving your pastor a raise or calling some kind of an assistant or doing the kinds of things that God's leading you to do. Well, lo and behold, it didn't do it in five years. But the giving and the commitment of the people of this church, we paid it off in five and a half years. And God did a real miracle in the life of our church and gave great hope to the congregation. And during that period of time, right at the end of that, we called Jonathan Lamaster as our pastor. And uh, he served here for a couple years and then left. And uh, we stick back in, Faye and I came again to the life of the church to do the interim work. I serve pretty good as the B team, not too much as the A team, but the B team. Uh, I, uh, I, I can handle that role fairly well. So anyway, we were just in love with the church, and we only live nine miles away from the church, and uh, it, it was such a joy to be able to step in, and I thought I was here for about a year, because in the interims, it just takes a year, about a year for a church to roll over and get ready for a new pastor. Well, in the midst of that, we were blessed to be debt-free, and uh, the giving was strong in the life of the church, and I want to talk to you a little bit today about giving and money. Uh, the sermon title is Fully Committed, and I don't think we're fully committed until we get our pocketbook committed to God. Uh, and that's usually the first layer of nerves around the heart. Uh, and when you start poking at the area of giving and money, there are folks that growl a little bit because you're getting close to a nerve. Amen? And uh, so anyway, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Faye and I have been blessed through the years. We, we raised way over a million dollars uh, to, not for us, but for the kingdom work and what was going on in the life of the church. And the journey of paying the building off, we were able to bring P, uh, Southern Baptist churches from all over to send help. Many of them didn't even know where Breezy Point, Minnesota was. But they loved Jesus and they loved missions and they sent money in. And so many times I'd be able to stand up and say, folks, we have another check given to us uh, by folks who don't even know us, never been here, and yet they love us and care for the work and are helping us. And, and literally, that became almost a fun thing. It's almost when I announced the offering, there would be a cheer go across the congregation because it, it just became a very positive thing in the life of the church. And one lady who is now with the Lord gave heavily to retire that debt. She was the original person that had a dream and a vision for a church here on Highway 11. So literally we celebrated that. Faye and I stepped back in and the church was doing fairly well. And I got a phone call from a guy named Zach. And he said, I understand the church is open and we're seeking God's will for this area. And I remember telling Zach, he'll maybe remember this. I said, Zach, the earliest, and this was late summer, I said, the very earliest our church will be looking at resumes will be after Christmas. And uh, literally because the church was stirred up a little bit, as many times that happens in church life. So anyway, Zach said, that's fine. Uh, I said, I just, he was just open to what God wanted to do here in this area. He was kind of committed. I remember him saying that God needs a good church on Highway 371. 
in, in this area. And he and Becky were committed to staying here, had opportunity someplace else to go, but yet his heart heartbeat was right here. So I said to him, well, vacation Bible schools next week. If you want to get a hold of what's going on in this church, it says bring your kids to VBS. And he did. And they started attending the life of the church. And the church fell in love with them. I, I think that's a true statement. I mean, all of the statements that I was hearing were positive. And then one Sunday, uh, our music program, Josh, was quite challenged compared to what you and your team are doing. I said... Uh, Zach, why don't you and Becky lead music? I heard he was fairly accomplished on the guitar. And I heard Becky had a wonderful, wonderful voice. So they led, and oh my, did they bring us to the point of worship. So that kind of rocked on, and people would come up to me and say, Are they a candidate? (laughs) I'd say, well, God is going to bless us with a good man. I, I said that so many times in the life of the church because I'm fairly a positive person. Uh, I, I chase Moby Dick with tartar sauce in my hip pocket. I mean, and, and I said, I just believe God's going to bless us. He has a will for our church. He has a plan. And God is going to bless us. And then one Sunday, I made it convenient for Faye and I to be gone. And I says, why don't you preach? And he preached for us that Sunday. And my, my, did the avalanche of comments come to me. And uh, I felt the church healing and focusing and redirecting. And uh, it was just such a happy time in the life of our church. I want to say to you, you are a very special people. And God is honoring his promise to the life of this church. And it was just shortly after that that I felt the congregation was ready to move on with with a pastor and we got the resume, worked through the resume and all the references and everything was so positive and so good. And the church, I think if I remember right, uh, Zach was a unanimous vote to call Zach and Becky to be the pastor of our church. What a wonderful blessing that has been in the life of our church. And the sense that I had in my heart that God was going to bless us was coming true. I want to commend you in calling a good pastor. Uh, As I've worked with many churches through the years, I would tell the committee, you have a 50-50 chance of calling a pastor that won't hurt you. And, And I still believe that's true. And others have told me, other denominational workers have told me that that's probably 60 to 70 percent. But I just hold, you got a 50 50 shot at getting a guy that won't hurt you. And then I say you have about a 10 percent chance to get a pastor that's going to lead you through the various levels of growth. Because sometimes a pastor can take a church at one size, lead it on to another level, and that's it. But it takes a very special gifting for a church to see a pastor grow the congregation by God's grace and mercy to level after level after level. That takes special gifting. And I believe you got that. I really do. That There's a man and his wife here. And don't forget, it's always the man and his wife. Uh, sometimes the pastor's wife is a little bit neglected in the life of the church. And I want to, uh, one of the things I want you to hear from me today is, is take care of your pastor's wife. 
precious, precious gift. I know my wife, after 50 years of ministry, has proven to be one of those special, special servants of God, often behind the scene, doing the quiet uh, type of work that's not showy and it's not up front. And uh, often churches forget to be a blessing to the pastor's wife. Don't overwork her out there with the kids. I'll say that one more time. Don't overwork her out there with the kids. And, uh, you know, give her a chance to come in here and listen to her husband. By the way, she's the only critic that he'll listen to. The rest of you hold your breath, Jess. She's the only critic you'll ever listen to. I love to tell the story of one day I was pastoring in Duluth, and I came out of church and I told my wife, that is the worst sermon I've ever preached in my entire life. And quick as an arrow flies, she said, oh no, I've heard you do a lot worse than that. (laughs) So I encourage you as an old 73-year-old pastor, retired and had the privilege of serving in churches in the denomination for 50 years. Take care of the precious gift of a pastor's wife who does so much for you that you never see. And yet, if it wasn't for her work, the church would suffer greatly. So take care of your pastor and wife. I remember sitting at a table out there and saying to Zach, Zach, we can only pay you $1,500 a month. That's all that's there. That can make you a promise that I think the heart of this church, as money comes in and we grow and develop, that the church will take care of you. You will be the highest priority. I said, everything else is paid for. So if we can grow a little bit, we're going to be able to bump you up. And we stepped in from a denominational level and bumped that salary up a a few more dollars just to give them a chance to, to make a go of it here. And literally, almost immediately, within weeks, uh, the growth started and the movement came. And what God was doing through this pastor came to the surface quickly, and we seen growth. And look today, those years back there, there would be sprinkling of people. Uh, I felt some Sundays I wanted to say, why don't you all sit together? Then I could ignore the rest of the building, because there was just a few of us around and now you've got to look careful to find a, a place for your family to sit. So God has blessed. And I want you to f- hear my affirmation in this area of financial giving. You have been faithful to your pastor to increase his salary as the growth has come. And God bless you for that. Your community will look at who you are by the way you take care of your pastor. I need to say that again. <laughs> your, your community will sense your heart, the heartbeat of this church, in the way you take care of your pastor. If you take care of him, they're going to say, well, maybe they'll take care of me too. And if you abuse the pastor and don't take care of him and take him for granted and abuse him, uh, they're going to say they're probably going to abuse me too. And you have been faithful, people, to increase your pastor's salary and the affirmation upon his life and what God is doing through him. And God bless you for that. You show your true character with God in this area. And I, I, I wish I was very eloquent with words. So I'm just, I'm just trying to say to you in a positive way, God bless you for being here, for following Christ, 
for walking with him and growing and developing and working on this thing of being fully committed to the Lord Jesus. And your giving comes strongly through the offerings that are coming into the life of the church. Literally in days when we had to take an offering to pay some of the bills we had, now we have an excess of many months worth of budget in the checkbook. God bless you for doing that. Many of you will get a little sensitive when it comes to the pocketbook, and many of you make all kinds of excuses why you can't participate, and I think the number is very low here, but it reminds me of the little boy heading for church, and mom gave him two quarters, one for church and one for ice cream. And walking to church, he stumbled a little bit, and one of those quarters fell down the water drain, and no way he could retrieve that quarter. He looked down at it, and then he looked up, and he says, Lord, I'm sorry I lost your quarter. (laughs) So many of us are so focused upon our needs and what we want and influenced by impulse buying And we get so indebted and so challenged by money, we often make excuses uh, in our financial giving that, uh, God, we lost your quarter, and uh, I need everything else for me. And that's not what God wants in our life, is it? He wants us to be generous, fully committed, even to that closest area to our heart, which is our finances. Literally, I remember the old boy lived all his life, made a great sum of money, And he's dying from cancer, and he told his wife, I want you to put every dollar I've ever made in my casket. And uh, lo and behold, he died on the day of the funeral. His wife wrote out a check for everything he had ever made and put it in the casket, and they lowered the door. (laughs) We think somehow or another, all of this stuff that we accumulate in this life, we're going to get it to the next world. And God is not against our raising treasure and and piling up treasure. It's just where we do it, isn't it? God says, lay up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust won't destroy and where thieves won't break in and steal. God is all in favor of our building wealth and building treasure, uh, but putting it in heaven. Uh, How often I have preached a funeral and never seen a U-Haul pulled by the hearse. Uh, we leave it all. Uh, two guys were talking about his friend who died, and one of them said he was really, really wealthy. And, uh, and uh, the other one said, uh, uh, you know, how much did he leave? And the other one said, well, he left it all. He left it all. It literally, death will separate us from our treasure unless we've laid it up in heaven. So, folks, I I want to assure you today that I am saying something positive to a giving church. Uh, Often, 80% of the money is given by 20% of the people. And by the way, about 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. That's just standard statistics we use. And those of you who have hung around church for many years of your life will realize that. But yet, I don't think that statistic is true of Eagles Nest Church because obviously you are a giving church and today I want to affirm you in all that God is doing in your life. So the first point on my notes is to affirm the church and and to say thank you to the folks who every week prioritize the financial giving to the life of the church. It's an indication of other commitments that you have made in your life. 
Uh, so many times as pastor, I'd hear people say, well, God doesn't need the money. Uh, and that's true. God doesn't need the money. I'm going to show you a verse in a minute that he owns it all. Uh, but yet you need to give the money because it's a point of worship in our life. And it's a point of registering in our consciousness that God owns it all, including us. We've been bought with a price. Uh, we don't own ourselves. It's all owned by God. So literally the point uh, is, is not giving for the work of the, of the kingdom because God doesn't need our help. It's helping us. And, and it helps us to register where we are in our finances. It's a point of worship. I run into people who say, well, I don't give to the life of the church because I work in the church and that's my tithe. And that person misses the entire joy of looking at all that God has blessed us with and, and then justifying somehow or another that I'm not going to honor God with the finances in my life and give him the first fruits that he has asked for in the life of our, in our lives as a point of worship. Uh, that person is going to miss the wealth that God wants to give him because I think I'll show you in a minute that when we give to God, uh, I, as an old farm boy, I used to say, if you shovel towards God with a number three shovel, he'll shovel back to you with a number four shovel. It, it's just really hard to outgive God. Um, my kids, I take them out for supper. They think grandpa's rich. And uh, so I take them out for supper and they'll say things like, well, let us get the tip. I'll say, no, I got more money than you do. And that's so true in our walk with God. He has resources. You can't even count them. Uh, if he owns it all, which Psalms 50 tells us he does, uh, just count the stars. The, the great telescope up there tells us there's a hundred billion trillion stars. And God's named them all and he's claimed ownership over all of them. Well, he created them, so I guess therefore he made them. And we think we can outgive God. <laughs> I love the title of the book. Here God's way too small. Uh, he's way bigger than anything we could ever imagine. So let me affirm you one last time. Thank you for being faithful uh, I, I could talk and talk about miracles in the life of our church. I remember when the city contacted us and told us that we need, we need to give them $10,000 for hooking up into their sewer. I went down to one of the local stores and bought a sewer pipe, an elbow, and I put a cap on one end and a drain on the other end. And I come before the church and I said, I want you to give a dollar a week extra or five or ten, whatever you have. And we got to pay this $10,000 off and just put your offering right here in this sewer drain. And don't go home and tell your neighbors giving money to that church is like throwing it down a sewer hole. <laughs> and lo and behold, about six weeks later, we had gathered over $10,000 in that sewer pipe to pay the bank off. So everything I say to you today is from a positive side that God is blessing us. Well, the verses that Josh so capably read, the verses just before that say something like, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? 
uh, shall I leave? Uh, I have no room to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. Listen to the I wills. It's kind of a self-centered talk he's having with himself. He said, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all of my crops and my goods And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be married, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you when those, when those will, when those will those things be which you have. That verse is teaching us that we can get so self-centered, we just keep piling goods up upon ourselves. And then we have to build new garages or rent spaces. If you never noticed how many rental uh, places where you can rent a garage or some kind of storage unit to put stuff, and that stuff one day you just had to have. And the world said, you just have to have this. And uh, you went out and bought it, and many of us financed our life buying that junk, and the sizzle came off of it, or the plastic wore out on it very quickly, and then we have to rent and pay rent on a place to store that stuff. And we just pack it in and pack it in and pack it in because we're caught in this thing of not being able to discern what we want and what we need. There's the great decision that we have to work on in our lives because the world says you have to have this for joy. You have to have this for purpose. You have to have this to tell the neighbors that I'm somebody special because I, I drive or I ride or I have this or I have that. Many of us buy things way outside of the realm of what our income is. I have done that. Have you? It, I know you wouldn't confess anything quite yet, but uh, uh, so often we're caught in that need. This farmer was sitting at his table late at night, couldn't probably sleep because he was trying to count all of his money. And he got a plan where he says, I'm just going to get more. One of the richest men in the world one day was asked, how much more money do you need? And he said, just a little bit more. Isn't that something the devil catches us in to what we have, never brings contentment, never brings satisfaction and joy. There's always a new model. I remember telling somebody they had just spent $50,000 for a brand new car. And I said, do you know that when you got it home, it was only worth forty? I hope you enjoy that $10,000 drive. The, wear, the shiny wears off on it real quickly, doesn't it? I remember as a young boy, about 15 years old, I had this stereo that I had to have. I just had to have it. Every day, no matter what time it got to, I'd have to walk down to Turner's TV place. I was showing my wife the building the other day, and I'd look through the window at that stereo. And if he was open, I'd go in there, and I'd just want to slide my hand over it. I said, one day you're going home with me, baby one day and I'd work and work and work and I'd think of that stereo and I'd slide my hand over it says I'm getting closer one of these days you're going home for me <clears throat> and I finally got enough money together I spent everything I had on that stereo and you know within three weeks I didn't listen to it but five minutes a day the shiny had wore off of it <clears throat> and I'm afraid this farmer was so caught up in all that he had he almost missed the word food he listened real closely again till he heard clearly God say, You fool, you fool. 
you've purchased this which will not last. And you've missed the opportunity to invest in that which will last for all of eternity. Sometimes we're like that crazy farmer who thought he could buy happiness in the things that he owned. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Isn't that a great statement? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. You ready? Sow your barns, sow your barns. So I just want you to catch this. The Lord says, honor the Lord uh, with your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Quickest way to go to bankruptcy is stop supporting the work of God and honoring Him with the first fruits of your income. God says if you are faithful in your giving, <laughs> your barns are going to be full. Isn't that upside down to the world? Because the world says, stock it away. Put it away. Put it in the bed. Put this and do this. And they have all kinds of advice. And God says, invest it in kingdom things. And so that your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son... Don't despise the chastening of the Lord because he will chasten us if we're not fully committed even through that layer closest to the heart in our financial giving. Literally, that's a powerful psalm. I need to go very quickly now. Um, God owns everything anyway. Just a quick point. uh, Because he said, every beast of the field, this is Psalm 50, every beast of the field... uh, uh, um, Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the fields. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. I am God's. The very breath I breathe is God's. Uh, Our salvation is God's. He is the owner. And we are stewards. We are managers. Uh... We get to deal with the nuts and bolts of life, but in obedience to God, we honor Him with everything in our life. And God uh, literally wants us to start at the 10% mark. Have you uh, um, uh, been challenged by people who say, well, uh, giving in in the Old Testament was 10%, but that was never renewed in the New Testament, so therefore God doesn't demand that of us. Uh, I want you to know an Old Testament principle like tithing uh, was in the batch of laws which God in the New Testament took every Old Testament law and lifted it. In the Old Testament, it talks about if you do this, it's wrong. In the New Testament, Jesus said, if you think this, it's wrong. So literally, he took all of the law and lifted it and intensified it in the person of Christ. So if he did that with all of the things of the law, think what he would say about the Old Testament law that requires tithing. In Malachi chapter 3, uh, people then were, were uh, confronted by God when he says, you have robbed God. And uh, 
He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. I don't have to even show that to you in the scriptures. Many of us know it by heart. But sometimes we forget when God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, he says, and try me. It used to be my son was oh, about four foot tall. He loved to play basketball. I'm six feet tall. He said, I think I can take you, Dad. I said, try me, son. And I'd beat him. I would beat him. And he grew to five foot tall. And then he grew to six foot tall and then to six three. And now he looks at me and says, I think I can take you, Dad. And I look at him and say, I think you sure can. <laughs> we would try each other on the basketball court. God said in this area of financial giving, bring the tithe into the storehouse. So that's the starting point of giving. Some of us, and probably even myself, we're hung up on the 10%. So maybe we should start at 10 and a half so that we know as God prospers us, we can go to 11 or 12 or 13. Or there's even stories of famous people, very rich, gave 90% of their income to the work of the Lord and still had a great plenty to live on. So God wants us to try them. Say, well, I don't know if this tithing thing will work or not. I say, try it for six months. And see how God, God says, put me to the test. See if you can outgive me. I have promised to take care of you. I take care of the grass. I take care of the sparrows. I take care of the entire universe. Have you ever thought of how all those galaxies, and there's billions of them. Years ago, there were black holes. And we said, well, there's nothing there. But now with the newest telescope, we can look into those black holes and just see the galaxies were so far off we couldn't see them. They're filled with billions of galaxies and God takes care of all of them. And we come along and say, oh, I don't think he can take care of me. Do you really think that God would ruin his reputation over you? <laughs> come on, folks. God's not going to let us down. Never has, never will. He's got you in the center of his eye. I love the song that says he keeps one eye on all the stars and his other eye on you and I and takes care of us in minute detail. If I were to open the floor and let the old saints of God start talking about how God has met their needs and some of us have been married 50 plus years, if we walked with God, we could fill reams of books on how God dealt with it. I remember when I was first married, Boy, my time's going quick. I remember when I was first married, one breakfast, my wife and I sat down. We had seven cents left, and the breakfast we were eating was the last of the food we had. And I just simply said, Lord, this is all the food, and we have seven cents left, and our trust is in you. A few hours later, we got a call from the school where she was teaching that they pulled out the mail containers, slots where all the teachers' mail would go. They had never pulled it out and cleaned behind that before. But something possessed them that day to pull that thing out. And behind there was a letter addressed to my wife. And in there was a wedding gift with money in it. God is going to take care of his children year after year after year. We've seen God take care, and so have you. And, and if you walked with God for many years, you could write a book on how faithful God has been to you. God says, try me. And remember, he loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Not a grudging one, uh, but a cheerful giver. Just give it to him. 
Now, one of the challenges that our church is going to face, and, and literally I'm trying not to do too much preaching today, but more teaching. One of the challenges that our church is going to face, and I say our church because I'm never here, but our membership is in this church. I'm always out preaching in some other church. We've been going to Marshall, Minnesota, by the way, to help a little church that's struggling with about a dozen people coming. And September looks like they're going to call a good pastor. So we have great hopes of what God's going to do there. But this is our church. And one of the things that we're going to face in the life of our church is to keep us growing to where we're fully committed. When I accepted Jesus, I was saved. But I realize now I had a lot of growing to do in my life. And one of the challenges for all of us is to settle down in our growth and not strive to be fully committed to God. That's one of the challenges your pastor and wife will deal with is helping the congregation stay fully committed to God. Another challenge we're going to face is we're going to get so full of people that we lose our burden for lost folks. We never should forget that those who don't have Christ, when they die, are going to spend eternity in hell. That ought to bother us. That ought to bring tears to our eyes. That ought to keep us awake at night. That out through these neighborhoods are people who are distant from God. They, they, they haven't fallen in love with Jesus and they haven't trusted Him as Savior. And if they were to die in that condition, they'd go to hell. And that ought to break our heart. I pray that we never lose sight of the lostness of men and women and boys and girls without Jesus. It's a challenge. Uh, and, and the third, just lightly saying, letting people fall through the cracks. Uh, I don't know how to do this, really. Uh, yet you get so big, sometimes folks come and we say, well, who was that person? Or did anybody get their name? Uh, where did they live? People start falling through the cracks. So literally, that's a challenge we're going to face. And here's the big one I want to address with you strongly in one or two minutes. Growth in numbers needs to provide space for those numbers, and you're going to have to build a building. You literally are. Uh, we built this building for a congregation about this size, and we said then uh, it'll, they'll have enough people coming and enough income that they can build their next building without a lot of trouble. And you're at that point right now. You literally need space. The standard is you can only use 80% of your seats on the average. So if you have 120 seats, you're only going to fill about 95 of them. And you reach 95 quite often in the life of your, your worship times. So literally, you're going to have to build a building. And I strongly recommend to you that you get aggressive right now in your giving to the new building. Uh, and I'm not asking you to send me any money. My wife and I are just fine. Uh, we're blessed of the Lord beyond description. And uh, so don't send me any money. Uh, and everything I say, don't hear me raising funds for me. Uh, we're just fine. We, we have everything. My wife even has money for garage sale. So, and, uh, <laughs> uh, but I am going to say to you that the more you can do to stay out of debt in the future, the healthier your church will be. I want to say that again. The more you can do right now to stay out of debt, the healthier your church is going to be in the future. You want to stay out of debt. One of the reasons we're able to have a full-time pastor is simply because the church is out of debt. 
and we could use all of our resources for today's ministry needs. So how are you going to do that? You're putting about uh, $1,500 a month away in your budget for the building fund. What a wonderful thing to do. And then giving in the life of the church. Uh, I was in the finance meeting, and there's about $18,000 that came in the first six months. And that's wonderful. You're giving to the building program up and above the budget. And what a blessing that is. God bless you for being a giving church. I want to say to you today, take a deep breath and move way beyond that. You give to the church in your regular giving to support the budget. But some of you got an extra dollar. When you come to church, you've got that dollar in your hand. And, and you're, I had a dollar bill up here I wanted to hold. Thank you. I'm so rich, money's falling out of my pockets. <laughs> Many of you can come to church after you put your regular giving in the plate and you can put a dollar to the building fund. Some of you might say, well, I don't have a dollar. I say, do you tip your couch upside down? You can shake four quarters out of there. I refuse to believe there's not a person here that can't bring an extra dollar to church to promote the building fund. And some of you have been blessed of God so greatly, you can bring a five above what you regularly give to the life of the church. And you can begin every week putting a dollar, a five. And some of you can put a ten in. And some of you, maybe God will so wildly bless you uh, that, that you'll be able to put a 20 in. I remember when we were paying the building off, one family in the life of our church gave $50 every week to the debt reduction in the life of our church. I don't know how God will bless you. But I'm calling on you to be obedient to the cause of building a new building debt-free in the life of this church. Some of you say, debt-free? How in the world... Well, with God, all things are possible, amen? And if that's the healthiest position that you can get, now you may end up building it with 25% debt, I don't know, I'm not totally against debt. We just built a million and a half dollar building in Wadena, and literally they, they borrowed 25% of the cost. So literally, I was on their case, strong, give now, because every dollar you give now is like $2 after you build. How many of you know how interest works? <laughs> so every dollar you give now, when you come to church and put that dollar in, there's a bank out there you can put it in or mark your check and the treasurer will take care of it. Put that dollar in or that five in or that 20 or 50, whatever God blesses you with. If you're obedient, I'm telling you, you can sit back and watch God work. He will bless you he, <laughs> he will show himself strong. There's not an angel in heaven that will go to the Father and say, Father, <laughs> you're not going to believe this, but they gave a hundred bucks. That's going to stretch you this week. It's not going to stretch God. I think this will be one of the most exciting periods in the life of our church as we see what God does in getting this new building built out here. We have plenty. We have five acres. We have plenty of land. And God is going to reach the next generation of people in this area out of this church. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm encouraging you today to put your full effort, your full focus upon the, the uh, goal of, of getting a building that the debt's not going to hinder your growth in the future. Does that make sense? That's my challenge today. 
You're a giving church. You have been used of God in the past. Uh, and your giving today is generous and full uh, and obedient to God. And I'm trying to stretch your obedience to where you will see one of the mir- biggest miracles some of you have ever experienced. Let me tell you something about probably speaking in several hundred churches across the nation. I hear stories of people who tell me, I remember when our church started and built the building. I'll never forget it. And even 30 years removed, 40 years removed, they'll still get misty in their eyes when they talk about the challenge the church came together on. And we all did it. And, and we were all working. And we were all praying. We were all participating. And you can see as they're talking, it's one of the highlights in their life as God demonstrated His faithfulness. I just talked to one of the elders in the Wadena church. And I was affirming him in such a horrendous summer they had in building. And he stopped me cold. He says, Brother Bob, that wasn't a horrendous summer. That was one of the greatest summers of my life. As we seen what God was doing in the life of our church. He could see people coming to Christ. People seeing their faith turned around in that new building which they built. And can I add to you. They went into the building program with 60 people. Now they're running well over 120 one year later. God has been faithful. And I encourage you, continue to be faithful. Take a deep breath and let's lunge forward and build this new building. You need to get a quarter of a million dollars in the bank before you break ground. To build it in a healthy way. I believe that with all my heart. So God bless you. You don't know me. Because my wife and and I are running all over the country. Preaching every church we can find. Uh, Marshall is 200 miles away. And someone said you drive 200 miles to preach. I said yeah. If you're not a real good preacher. You may have to drive 200 miles to get a chance. (laughs) But I am very blessed to be a part of. A member of this church. I'm I'm the most absent member that your pastor has. Uh, And yet I love you and I love this church. And I can see a vision of what God wants to do right here in this place. As you move forward to the next level. God bless you for being faithful. Have the worship team come up.